How's everybody doing this morning? Only 110 more shopping days till Christmas, so if you haven't gotten my gift yet, you know 110 days left. Um, I just heard about the Christmas musical and uh, going to try it out for Friday the Snow. Maybe. We'll see. Um, but it's good. A lot of great things are happening. One of three all white this weekend. Number one, it's because I'm trying to get my white clothes in before Labor Day. Um, so the fashion come get me. Um, I got a photo shoot afterwards that, uh, that they're interviewing me for, youth pastors who think they're rappers. Or number three, one of the first two answers, but that's, uh, that's not true. Uh, I was just feeling very white today, uh, right? What can I say? That was not a racial joke at all, guys. Wow. Very sensitive this morning. In the front, see, even when I try not to be funny, I'm funny. All right. Uh, in the front of your bulletin, you see this, NXT. I wanted to show you this because it is the new name of our youth ministry. It was Ignite, and it was a great name, and it served its purpose, and not, not that we couldn't continue with that, but our youth leaders were really sensing something, as well as I was, of our youth ministry, our kids, becoming something. And this scripture jumped out at me to kind of describe what NXT was. It's 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That really describes what NXT. NXT is the abbreviation of the word next, kind of a spinoff of next gen. Um, but it's more than just reaching this generation. It's helping or, or, or leading this generation to lead the next generation. Because the truth of the matter is, is whatever the difference this generation makes will affect the next generation. And I'm not here. I didn't come here. If you hired me to run a youth group, you hired the wrong guy. I come to lead a youth ministry, and I'm looking to lead young people to lead this generation and the generations to come. So I just wanted to share that with you. And I'm excited. I'm grateful for my leaders and my, my young people. Um, all right, now to the joke, right? Because I didn't, my, my first joke room. No, uh, there was this man who was uh, living in California. And he was walking along the beach. And he thought to himself, you know, it would be so great if I can travel to Hawaii, although I'm afraid of flying. Why don't I pray? So he prayed to God and he said, God, will you please grant me one wish? And the heavens opened up, and the voice from heaven, God, saying, Yes, my son, what would you like? And he says, I would like you to build me a bridge from California to Hawaii so I can drive to Hawaii because I'm afraid of flying. And God said, That's kind of a very selfish request. I mean, that, I can do that. But I don't, I mean, that would take quite a bit of structure, the miles of bridge that I would do. Is, is there anything else that you could possibly think of that, uh, that I can do for you? And he, and he paused a second and he thought about it and he says, well, God, I've been married three times. 
and been divorced, I would like to figure out women. It's like I'd like to know what they think, how they feel, especially when they say I'm fine or whatever. God says, would you like two lanes or four lanes on that bridge? <laughs> Much better than last night's crowd. That last night's crowd was rough. <laughs> last weekend, Pastor Darrell kicked off a series called The Mission. And though I've heard this quote before, it, it has never impacted me as much as it did when my own pastor said it. And it said, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. What is our mission? What is CLC's mission? Um, I'm sure you've heard it, but it's, it's connecting to God. Connecting to people. Connecting to your calling. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 4. I'll get to those couple of verses I'm going to read in a minute. Of course, the title of my message is just the mission. Who is Jesus? What is the Bible all about? Where can I find the truth? What do we believe, or why do we believe what we believe? How do we live for Jesus? How do we live out our mission for our life? Questions that I've been asked Questions that I've asked others. And we may all have different answers, maybe. Today I want to bridge a gap by answering the quest these questions. And kind of a review and a reminder of what I spoke on last time with, through Scripture, what is salvation? Number one, there's a desire. John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said that I have come that you may have life, and life more abundantly, right? Satan's desire is to destroy our relationship with God and destroy relationship with others. But Jesus, God's desire for us is for us to have life. And life to the fullest, spiritually, right? That's his desire. But with this desire, there, there came a problem from the beginning, and it says in Romans 3, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Kind of, you know, sad and negative. The wages of sin is death. It also says in Romans that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Right? So there's, there's, there's a punishment for sin, but yet God sent his son Jesus to come, the gift of life, right? So we might have a problem, but the answer is Jesus. Now, if you've seen any, any minutes, any few minutes of a football game, if you're like me, if you watch football, if you haven't, all you have to see is a couple of minutes of a football game. And if you look in the crowd, you'll see people holding up signs, right? Fans. Particularly signs that say John 3.16. And they hold up these signs for whatever their own reasons are. But if they really, truly realized the reason and the power behind John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is the answer, right? 
that God demonstrated his own love, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. For it is by grace we have been saved through faith, right? It is not of ourselves. It's nothing that we can do. It is a gift from God. No matter how hard we work, no matter how good we think we are, we will never be able to earn our way into heaven. We can't, there's not enough money in the world that could buy our salvation. But with that answer requires a response. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, right? If we declare with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we are saved. This is our response. Now you say, well, Dan, I, I know all this. Thank you. This is the bridge that closes the gap between us and God through Scripture. There is a difference between making a decision at the altar and making a disciple that's on a mission. Really quiet this morning. I, I was expecting a few amens this morning. There is a difference between making a decision at the altar and making a disciple who's on a mission. Let me, let me clarify this. I am not questioning anyone's intent who comes to the altar and prays a prayer and gives their life to Christ. I'm not questioning their salvation by any means. But growing up in the church, I've seen hundreds, maybe even thousands of people come to an altar and say a prayer. But what disturbs me is I've seen those, some of those same people, not all, but some of them walk out of the church and still live their own life. In my text this morning, Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are standing before the Sanhedrin. And this was... You know, they're, they're going through town to town preaching the gospel and, and God is, is doing healings through them and, and things are going, well, great until they get called before the council. And in verse 12, this is what it says. It says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Do you believe that this morning? Are you excited about that? And I am. I'm excited. But something caught me. And it's in verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence this morning. And God, I pray that you will speak through me, that every word that comes out of my mouth comes from you, and anything that comes from me will fall to the ground. God, will you open up our hearts and minds to hear your word this morning and to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 
When people listen to Peter and John, they recognize their courage. Now, a few things are happening in this text. They, 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 they mention that they were unschooled, so you don't need a Ph.D. in evangelism. They were ordinary men, so they weren't necessarily celebrities, athletes, musical artists. But they had courage because they had been with Jesus. This was after Jesus called them away from their family business. This was after they walked with Jesus for three years and saw firsthand the work of God. This was after they, well, I would say they saw him be crucified, but they abandoned him when he went to the cross. This was after Jesus ascended. This was after he, he, he came to them, after, resurrected and said, therefore go and make disciples. This was after he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Are you with me this morning? Why did they have so much faith and courage? Because they've been with Jesus. Can you tell the difference between a person who spends time with Jesus and a person who doesn't? Now you say, Dan, Peter and John, they, they saw him literally. They spent time with him. They saw him physically do these things. And yet... And yet, even firsthand, they ran, they doubted, they denied. But this was the moment, Peter and John, they saw it all. But it wasn't so much what they saw, it was who they were with. They spent time with Jesus. I've asked some, some young people to come up here, and I'd like to have you come up here right now and sit in these chairs there are four kinds of people that I've seen um, in, this, in this world, in, in church. Four kinds of people. This first person, they're lost. They're unbelieving. They do what they want in their life. They don't have a relationship with God. They're lost. The second kind of person is a church brat. Not necessarily because of their age, but they've grown up in the church. They go through the motions. They speak the language. They don't truly, genuinely, authentically have a relationship with God. They just go through the motions. Church brat. And there's this kind of person, what I like to call the timid sweetie. They're cute. They're cuddly, right? I think timid sweeties deep down love Jesus, but they live in fear. They're content with just coming to church and being a church attendee. 
They're content with just being a good person, but they live in fear. Maybe from past experience, maybe because they've made up, whatever it may be, but they live in fear. They're timid, even though they're sweet. And then there's this fourth person, the courageous Christian. They know God. This person loves God. They spend time with him. They, they want to be a part of Christ's mission here on earth. They want to put their faith into action. They pray because they know prayer transforms them into the image of Christ. They realize the necessity and the responsibility they have to live out the Great Commission. Their mission is not just to know about God, but to courageously advance the gospel in the world around them. That's a courageous Christian. And I think that there are not enough courageous Christians in the church. Have you seen these kinds of people? The lost, the church brats, the timid sweeties, and the courageous Christians. Do we just come to church to be a part of a Holy Ghost party and sing songs about how he loves us and how it feels good when we sing this? I'm not taken away from worship and singing songs. But what is it going to take for us as believers, as churchgoers, to walk out of these doors every week and be like how John Wesley described, that my heart is strongly warm, that I can't even begin to put into words what God is doing. It's supernatural. Billy Graham said it this way, Courage is contagious. When a brave man or brave woman takes a stand, the spines of others start to stiffen. What is it going to take for you and I to become a courageous Christian? Are we going to continue the routine of the American church full of church brats and timid sweeties? There are three key elements that I want to point out today to be a courageous Christian and living out the mission, like Peter and John was doing in Acts 4. Number one, consecration. It's a big word for a youth pastor to use, I know. Consecration means to be set apart, to be hungry, to be holy. Have you set your life apart to do what God wants you to do? Are you living the life that you want and just including God in it? See, consecration is setting apart. No matter what God calls you to do, no matter what, go where he calls you to go. Be who God wants you to be. That's consecration. And all throughout Scripture, you see men and women Consecrating themselves to God, setting them apart, no matter what, no matter what the cost, no matter whether they lose their family and friends, their homes, even their own lives, they consecrated themselves. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 in the message says it this way. Don't look for shortcuts to God. 
The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. That's consecration. I want to see a church as a whole. I want to see young people, but I want to see church as a whole be consecrated to God. Set apart. Living the life that God, living the mission that God has called you to live. Number two is intercession. Prayer. Prayer will affect how you spend time in everything you do. I'm kind of guilty. Um, growing up in the church, I, I gave my life to Christ at a young age, and I, I was grateful for a, a great family and great parents who discipled me. I was involved in the church. I had a really good relationship with God when I was a teenager. But what I was guilty of is I did not pray for others. Specifically, I didn't pray for those who didn't know God. I didn't pray for opportunities that God would give me to share my faith. I just thought my approach would be, hey, you're going to hell unless you know Jesus. Now, how do you think that approach did for me? Not so well. Now, I believe in sharing our, our faith. But how often are we in intercession? How often are we praying for others? Our family, our friends, our neighbors, our young people, our law, those who do not know God. It's one thing to be consecrated, set yourself apart, but are we a praying people? Are we intercessing for one another? Are you sensing something this morning? I'm not very excited about this topic. Listen, I'm not perfect, and I'm not standing up here claiming that I don't get distracted. But last month, I turned one year closer to getting older, or old. Not old yet, I'm almost there. And I'm learning in my old age something, and I need to be aware of what God is doing around me. And joining him. Listen. He wants us to be a praying people. He wants us to talk to him. Number three is passion. Passion is powerful and compelling. It's a strong desire to pursue what you love. If we love God, if we love Jesus, then why aren't we passionate about living out his mission. It's not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. What's the greatest thing we can do in our life? Is live out the mission God has called us to do with courage. Do you want others to recognize you because you spend time with Jesus? I do. 
Where do we stand if we believe that salvation is found in no one else? For there is no name under heaven or on earth that we can be saved. If we believe that, then what are we doing about it? Living out the mission is not a gift someone has. It is the proper response to loving Jesus. I think I'm starting to preach now. I forgot my preaching towel this morning. Woo! Courage is not just a personality trait. It's how we live. We have roughly 30,000 days here on earth. What are we going to do during this time? Just try to survive? Wake up, get ready, go to work, get tired, come home, complain, and go to sleep and do it all over again the next day? God didn't create us to survive. Listen, if we try to survive on our own, guess what happens? We die. But I have come so that you may have life. God doesn't want church brats. Get up. You're done. Get out of here. God doesn't want timid sweeties. He wants courageous Christians. You could get up. Stay here, though. Just get up. All right, have a seat. God wants a courageous Christian because if you get this, then you reach this. Are you feeling me? Nothing in between. Go ahead. You can go, but you see, give these ladies a hand. Thank you. Jesus is working in us and through us to bridge a gap. I bridged a gap earlier through scripture of what it does from, God, from us to God. But this is the gap that I wanted to show you. Nothing in between. We need to be courageous so we could reach the lost. And these young people just, just I didn't point them out because I think that, that they're specific traits. But they illustrated what I see. And I want, I want this church to be that. That you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Mount Prospect, in Chicago, in Illinois, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what my Bible says. That's what my version says. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, they didn't have an education, they were ordinary men, they weren't popular, obviously. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, how much time are we spending with Jesus? It'll affect what we represent when we leave here today. Will our life reflect that, or will it reflect Reflect Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I want to reflect that. Or what about I have been crucified with Christ? I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I didn't write this. I didn't Google this. 
This is what the Bible says. The Word of God. No matter where life takes us, no matter where we go, or what we do, if we continue to do the same thing over and over again, we will get the same results. It's time to make a change. And I'm not here to just motivate you and inspire you this morning. I'm ready to lead by example. But listen, I don't want to see just young people do this. I want to see the church do this. It's time to represent God like Peter and John did. They had their issues, right? But they were recognized. They were recognized for being or spending time with Jesus. It's time to make a change, and it's time to live out our mission. It's not a coincidence that you are here this morning listening to me. You get one life to live. You get one opportunity to let your light shine in darkness. One opportunity to explore what the power of God can do through a yielded vessel. This is it. Something within you can say, God, I want my life to count. God, I do not want to waste my life. And people that do not know me ask me, why in the world do I waste my time being a youth pastor? And they fail to recognize what the true calling and purpose for my life is. To be on mission for God. And when the bubble bursts, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years and lives that they've wasted. A Methodist preacher said, How will I feel at the judgment if multitudes of missed opportunity pass before me in full review and all of my excuses prove to be disguises of my cowardice and pride? Come on. What's stopping you? Is it the fear of man? Is it the fear of failure? Is it statistic history of spiritual apathy? Is it the inability to get out of a rut? What's stopping you? If, you are, if your life is right with God, then look in the mirror and say, God is in me. God is with me. God is for me. I want my life to count. Well, you may say, what do I do? Go after him. Seek his face. Cry out to God. Shut off the TV. Turn off the computer. Put down the cell phone. Put away all the unnecessary distractions. Cancel some appointments. Go after God. Seek his face. Pour through his word. And walk in the light that you have. Now is the time that we either seize the moment or look back with everlasting shame that we missed it. Are you ready? Did I get your attention? God wants us to be courageous Christians. I looked up a statistic right before I conclude. I looked up a statistic the other day. And this is just in the high schools in or surrounding Mount Prospect. There are over 12,000 teenagers. 12,000. Just in high school. And though I want to reach every one of them, 
if we reach just 1%, we'd have 120 teenagers in our youth ministry every Wednesday night. Those that we have, I'm going to be challenging them to do the same thing this fall and through the year to become all God wants them to be. But we need you, church. We need you to lead by example. We need you to show us. And if we come together as a whole and go after God and become the courageous Christian that God created us and called us to be, watch out. Because now is the time that we need to seize the moment. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, thank you for speaking this morning through words of prophecy and encouragement. God, through worship, through just your presence. God, through your word. And God, I didn't just, just, you didn't give this message to me just to, to get excited about something. Like it's a good idea. God, there's, I know you're calling us to make a shift. You're shifting us in a direction because you want this world to know you. God, I pray for every person in this room right now. God, they may fall under one of these categories. Maybe there's somebody in the room that is lost. But today, they heard who you are. God, if that's them, and they, God, I pray that you will, that your spirit will draw them to you right now. And they will respond today to know you. God, maybe there's some church brats in the building. God, maybe they've been going through the motions. Maybe, maybe they've been in the church for a long time, but today they've realized that it's time to come out of that shell, to, to break down that wall. God, I pray for those that need to rise up and be a true worshiper to live out the mission that you have. God, I pray for those timid sweeties in the room. God, those who really do love you, but they live in fear. They have fear of, of something they've experienced in their life. Or whatever, maybe it's the enemy trying to lie to them to be afraid. Whatever it may be, God, I pray that today they will know that they are more than conquerors through you. That there's nothing that'll separate them from the love of Christ. That it is you that gives them the courage and the faith to live. God, I know there's many in the room that may live in fear. God, maybe there's some courageous Christians, or maybe all of us in the room want to be this courageous Christian. God, I pray that you will... Speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. God, help us. Step up. And let your light shine through us to a dark world. God, I'm ready. I'm ready to rise up. But I can't do it on my own. We as a church can't do it on our own. And we need you. So Holy Spirit... By your presence and your power and your purpose, I pray that you will pour on us like never before. God, so that we could be your witnesses throughout. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, I don't want to 
rush it or, or anything, but I, I want to give you an invitation before we conclude that if you want prayer, maybe there's something that I spoke on this morning, one of these categories, you just want prayer. Maybe you just need prayer for healing. Whatever it may be, I want to give you that opportunity. Pastor Merrill and I and other leaders are available to you to pray. But I want to go out with a challenge today. It's a challenge. I tell you what, if we do, if we do what the Bible says to do, there's going to be a difference. There's going to be a difference within our church, and there's going to be a difference out of our church. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? Give glory to God. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? And uh, I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Daryl. Oh, yeah, he's not here, but he's got a message for each and every one of you. Thank you. Hello, church family. We miss you this weekend. Our family is away at a very important family wedding for Leslie's family. But I didn't want you to go without receiving the blessing of the Lord and telling you how much we love you because we are family together. And God has good things in store for you this week. And so allow me to give you the blessing. So beloved, you are one week closer to heaven. Are you ready? May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God bless you and have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next weekend.